Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Zenial Odyssey Podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. Back to the XOP, everybody. Much like the last episode, Remy is uh, working. Uh, he's doing his day job. Again, I'm on vacation, so I can do this whenever the fuck I want to. But I'm joined by a guest, another great friend. I know recently we had Mr. Steve Hayward, a.k.a. Goonie on. And now we get a good friend of mine, Mr. Jason Cox. Coxy, welcome to the Odyssey. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, wonderful. So my big thing about the show is I view every so an Odyssey is like an adventure. It's all that. Every every episode is a standalone. Every episode should be unique. Everybody that's on should have a unique perspective. And I think you fit the bill right here with that. Yeah, I definitely I definitely have unique perspectives on things. You do, um, yes. I, I I'd like to see I'd like to say myself as uh, out of the norm of regular run of the mill people. I think first and foremost, when I think of you, I think of you as somebody. So I want to give you a little. I want if you want, you can give a little background here on yourself. Uh, just you know work your career what you've done with your life i know you've been in the military so i have yes yes so um born in 1984 in weymouth massachusetts grew up in east bridgewater i went to east bridgewater high school i first moved to east bridgewater when i was eight so grew up starting right in the center of town almost that was where uh i uh those were my stomping grounds and then once I turned 18, I uh, joined the, the Marine Corps and um, decent mechanic there, deployed a couple times, came home, uh, then moved to Arizona, went to culinary school in Arizona out there with, uh, with Boston Mike. We call him Arizona Mike, but people out there call him Boston Mike. You're talking about Mike Burke? Mike Burke. Yeah. So once finishing up culinary school, I um, came, back to, came back to Mass and... Popped around different jobs here, there, and everywhere, and um, ended up being a a veteran service officer for a town in the South Shore. And uh, that's where I really kind of felt I found my calling in life in a career is by helping people. Yeah, so working as a veteran service officer, I, you know, I was helping people like myself to obtain, you know, I call it entitlement because you've sacrificed a piece of your body or mind to your government, and, you know, you should be, you're entitled to that. Uh, so working working as a veteran service officer, I, I really enjoyed my job. And then I kind of didn't. So I picked up a position at Volunteers of America, a local nonprofit, and I'm still helping veterans. Uh, a quick, I guess I can talk about it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, I always say to people, this is a safe I've space. I've never, never been on a podcast before. Yeah. Like, so for me... I've been it, on a radio show before. Yes, I know. I know you used to uh, yeah, get a I, Facebook Live. I used to have a, a little radio show with Mike Tyla Brito, current Fall River Veteran Service Officer. Oh. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a little radio show, and um, I have ADD, and I lost interest. It was kind of a hike for me from middle. You know, it was a little bit of a drive. I liked I liked being on the show. It was yeah. fun. So I guess where we can jump off with your work with veteran services. So what exactly is entitled? Is do you mean when you're talking about veteran services? The biggest benefit is service-connected disability. And doesn't even matter if you deployed or not. It's all basis on your military history. 
what were you exposed to, mm-hmm. essentially. You were exposed to things. It doesn't matter if it's a, an element or a chemical or an experience. You're still exposed to something. Uh, if you're exposed to trauma, if you're exposed to loud noises, that's probably the biggest disability that comes across the desk of a VSO is uh, hearing loss, hearing really? loss or tinnitus. Yep. And it's the easiest way to get someone service connected. So that's like getting them the foot in the door? It's just getting foot in the door. You might get, mm. just get 10%. Um, it's a little extra coin in your pocket. And you get um, eligibility to VA healthcare. Which is huge. Which, which is huge for some people. Mm-hmm. I use VA healthcare. Does me right. I'm still here. I used VA healthcare a lot for mental health. Mm-hmm. I had a shitty point in my life. Was that in the military or are you talking uh, this just is, in general? This is years, years after the military. My first wife was pregnant with Daniel. Mm-hmm. I think it was even before that, like 2011. I probably, I, I think that was the year that I first went to the VA, like in pretty good mental health crisis. Really? Yes. Post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. It's called post-traumatic for a reason, because you go through a traumatic event, and then after the traumatic event, it could be moments after, it could be hours after, days after, it could be years after. But I first I first noticed my first like PTSD symptom when I first got home the second time in 2006. That was after you were in Iraq, right? I w- yeah, I went to Iraq in 2004 into 2005, and then again in 2006. <sighs> When I got home in 2006, they didn't have room for me in the barracks, so I couldn't stay on base. All I had was my carry-on, which luckily enough, I had some civilian clothes in it. Yeah. And I had to stay at a friend's house outside of base. I stayed there the night. She had to, she had to go off to work. And then uh, I'm, uh, I'm to myself. 24 hours before, I'm in Iraq, or at least Kuwait, with all of my gear, my weapon, everyone from my unit that I've been with for the last nine months. And you've, uh, is it fair to say you've adjusted to the fact that when you're in a unit, it's not quiet in the sense of like civilian life quiet, right? Yeah. No, it's not quiet. So, so would you say got, it's like drastic? It was like drastic. Oh, absolutely. Drastic there's, change. Yeah. There's nothing, but I don't know. I never went to college and I was never in a frat. So I guess that's the closest thing you could possibly compare it to. But times it by a thousand because all those guys, all those guys and gals that you deploy with, you know, you're when shit hits the fan, they're all supposed to be backing you mm-hmm. and you back them. And it's just the way it is. Yeah, the famous I got your sick. And then 24 hours later, I'm in an apartment by myself. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So I walked down the street. I probably walked like, I don't know, three miles to the mall that was like the San Diego Mall or some shit or the San Clemente Mall or Mm -hmm. some shit. And uh, I go there and I'm just like, all right, there's people in here. Okay, so there's people around. And then I started to see like, those aren't my people. Those are obviously a threat. And I'm sweating bullets. Like Mm -hmm. I'm visibly, I'm visibly sweating. My shirt's getting soaked. And it's like, Cold I sweat? I gotta get the fuck out of here. No, I was on fire. Okay. I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here too. So I go back and it's like, and uh, I don't really remember much, but um, yeah. So that was probably the first, the first one I can recall. I was within 24 hours of being in, in Iraq. All right. So fast forward, I don't know, 10 years, 10, 15 years. I needed mental health therapy. I needed it pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, I guess so long story short, the VA, the VA's done me good over-medicated at a particular time. And then I started experimenting with cannabis. Do you want to talk about that? Let's fucking talk about that, my friend. So growing up, I never smoked pot. I might have smoked it once. And that was like Brockton Brown shit. I was there the first time you got high. Was it? Yeah. I just, I don't remember. I don't really remember getting high, but I just remember an experience of like not really enjoying that. 
We were going to see Jerry Cantrell at the old Lupos in Providence, Rhode Island. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and I remember it? going there. And what was and it? I Katya? Because we, we stopped at Cumberland uh, Farms. We stopped at Cumberland Farms and there was Tatiana. Uh, and you were like, I am so fucking oh, wasted right so now. I'm so fucking wasted right now. And then oh, I re- Tatiana. And then we were on the highway and you had to piss. Yep, I had to piss. I was with Mark. Yep. And uh, I was like, hey, Mark, you, can you please pull over? I really got to go. And he's like, no, like, we're almost there. And I told him, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, it's either you pull over or I piss my pants right now. And he's, and he's looking at me and I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm not joking. I don't have a smile on my face or a smirk. It's like deadpan look at him and tell him if he doesn't pull over, I'm going to piss in his car. So he pulled over. So that was your Brockton Brown experience. That was my Brockton Brown experience. And, uh, didn't really, didn't really hit me in a good way. Mm -hmm. And then I go into the military and then I was, I, I've all, while being in the military, I'd have more exposure to hard drugs than being in the outside world. I had multiple occasions to do cocaine while in the Marine Corps. Really? Yes. Was that on base or deployed or both? Uh, on leave outside of base. Oh, okay. All right. I never had the opportunity to do it like in my barracks room, uh, but it's just out in parties and stuff like out in town. But I, I never did it then. And I'm probably, I do believe in fate and destiny and you, you're, you're traveling along a path and you have to make particular choices to stay on that. Like you could easily, I could have easily fucked my, com- like completely fucked my life up. I had multiple opportunities to do so, if, but to do, to do that. If you'd like my two cents on cocaine, I feel like cocaine is a very overrated drug. It probably is. I've uh, never done for, it. So I have first no, off, I have if, no... if you get terrible kind, you get the drips. So you like, get like a post-nasal drip. Post-nasal drip. And it tastes okay. disgusting. Right. And then it goes numb. And then you get a little bit of the high feeling, but it lasts 15 minutes. So by the time you start to enjoy it, it's over. Really? And I once said to somebody, that's it? And they said, well, that's why you do more. And I said, well, this is stupid. Right. Like, just why smoke weed continue? and I'm good for 45 minutes. Right. Yeah, I'm so sure the good stuff's good. Oh, yeah. yeah Sends so. you into another fucking land, but... Yeah, but let's um, get back to your uh, So about cannabis. three, I think three years ago, five years ago, I tried it and I really wasn't getting it. And then three years ago... I committed myself to like flour, like real, the real fucking deal. The shit that, the shit for, you smoke. For people who, because there are people that. Okay. Um, no, no. The, yeah. No, there are people outside of not just Massachusetts, but there's people outside of where marijuana is recreationally legal. Yeah. If you've never been into a dispensary, a legal dispensary, either medicinal or recreational. I mean, it's referred to as flour. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm, that's what they call it. That's what I call it. I know. I know. I'm a nerd for saying flower. No, you're not. You're you're, you're following the lingo that's said <laughs> inside of a dispensary. Now, do you? What's your preferred method of uh, taking uh, cannabis? Smoking through a bubbler pipe. Oh, okay, that makes sense because the because the because the, the water it, takes the, the water takes the particulates out, yep. and I get clean smoke. Mm-hmm. I can smoke. A joint. I can't smoke a pipe, but I just prefer not to. Yeah. Because it just hits me right in the throat. So I like a water bubbler. So what is your preferred... Um, do you have a preferred strain? Northern Lights. Northern Lights? If I could... I my The dispensary had Northern Lights once, and I bought a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it. It's just an... It's, a, it's an old strain. It's been around forever. Mm-hmm. It's not mutated. It's not mixed into something else to make something else. It's just like a... It's a novel cannabis yeah. strain. When I first started my journey, I stuck to Indicas. 
hybrid indica heavy hybrids is now that i'm well, i'm three years in i've been kind of gradually going towards indica leaning hybrids i have smoked sativas and i don't really i don't like them because i've got paranoid on them and i get jittery is and i think that's because of which one's more thc dominant sativas okay well yeah I, you can get a higher thc sativa than you can indica but the indica i like the indicas because they just chill me the fuck out i was gonna say one is more cbd heavy one is more thc yeah. heavy so right so sativas sativas are thc like, or a sativa uh, more cbd uh no sativas are more are you can get a higher thc level out okay um but they're but sativas are good because it gives you energy. Like if you smoke it in it's to the end of the night, you don't want to move. You want to chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's when I that's when I smoke when I get home from work. And I haven't done this yet, but I need to before I even go into the house. Just go out to the garage, take one drag, and then go in the house. Because I've been going in raw into the house. And it's summertime. It's the end of summertime. Kids are fucking stir crazy. They're, you walk in the house, they're up your ass. And, you know, I just, it's, I don't like walking into a house like that. It's, it is what it is. It's a product of my own fucking dominion, you know. I essentially have four children at home. While I was with my first wife, I had Daniel. He mm-hmm. is going to be nine, which is fucking mind-blowing. Yes. And um, so I have Daniel half of the time of the week. And I met this lovely woman from Akushnet, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Caitlin, which I am to marry September 8th. Nope, September 10th. I met this lovely woman uh, with two children. I was going to say, and she had... She, she so, has two so children. So you, you had a child from a pre-existing marriage. I have a pri- She had two children she, from just a pre-existing marriage or relationship? Pre-existing relationship. All right. And then you both have and, a child together. And then we both had one together. It's like, holy shit, we're already outnumbered with children. Let's have another. You should, you should at least aim for like two more just to start a band. I, all right. All right, fine. Uh, well, that's actually f- uh, physically impossible because while Wyatt was cesarean removed from Caitlin, uh, they went in and not only tied her tubes, uh, cut them and cauterized them. cauterized them. So she ain't having any more babies. And that's fantastic. <laughs> it really fucking is. So, um, yeah, so four kids. So that's that's enough. But Wyatt, he's... He's a good little boy. He's a he's a good little boy. <laughs> Handsome as cute as a button that boy is. Who does he get his looks from? Me. <laughs> he looks just like you know, as like a baby baby, he looked just like me as a baby. And then he always looked like me, which I think the people were just associating body types. We're just kind of like just short and fat. I was going to say built like a brick shit house. Built like a brick shit house. Yeah. So I think people were making people were saying he looks like me as a complete side. Of, because I am also a brick shithouse. <laughs> do you know how wonderful that has been in my career? So I do talk about what I've done in my career on yep. here. I am bound by HIPAA law. So there's certain things. I just know. <clears throat> I I know how to talk about it. Yeah. What being appropriate. So yeah, I worked with people who also had PTSD. A lot of people who had experienced the most violent and horrific upbringings you could imagine. I've I've actually gone as far as to say it's like stuff you would hear about. Because I would also be a co-leader in group therapy. Stuff that makes you lose your faith in humanity type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and what comes along with that sometimes is that 
they have to get restrained for their safety or your safety. But some of these people are just fantastic. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of bull rushing. Okay. They'll try to bull rush you. And so somebody tried to bull rush me once and they literally bounced off me because I just, awesome. I like I planted my back leg. Right. You see them coming. They're yeah. Like, they're pretty blatantly obvious. That but they're... like, so I didn't move and they hit the floor and then it was like, and oh. then they got up and then there was like a momentary like. I fucked up. And then, but then there was swinging. And then at that point it's like, all yeah. right. All right. I got a lot better. As I got along in my career, I don't take it personally. Like those people, most of the people, when they get to that point, have checked out. They have gone to a place that nobody should ever have to go to right. in their head. So, uh, and when they come back, it's a real vulnerable time for them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, it's, that's the hardest thing. That's where I got PTSD. Uh, because in that work, you, you don't, like, you work with people with PTSD, you leave with your own PTSD. Yeah. You've you told, re- you you've get told me stories. So. Yeah. So I know we have talked about now, I have been a cannabis connoisseur <laughs> yes. for a long time. I personally, I also prefer CBD heavy strains. And one of my favorite things I talked about, and I've talked about with you off the air, but I've talked about with other people too, is that I'm pretty sure in my teens that it saved my life. Really? Yeah. Because I, this is the only way I can describe it. I had a very loud mind. Okay. So my mind was always going, but it's always like loud thoughts, always heavy things. And one of my favorite things is when I would get high, it's it's like literally my mind just went like, shh. That's exactly what it does for me. Right? Like what I was talking about earlier, walking into a hell house, kids bouncing off the walls, bouncing mm-hmm. off you. If it's a, I can it's just a normal, lower myself. It's before, a normal thing for, for anxiety to kick in then. But yeah. I mean, if you have- When you're already going in, when you're yes. going in hot already, yeah. not even like angry, just spun up. When you walk into a hell house, it's just going to, I just go from zero to a hundred. So I need to go into the garage, just rip one. Yeah, just get yourself that, just just get that one. Take a deep breath, let it all out and walk in the house. Yeah. Because I I drank a salsa before I came here. Oh yeah? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just brings me down. No wonder you look so mellow. (laughs) (laughs) Now is cannabis the only thing you do? No, it isn't. I just... This is a safe space. You can remember, it's a safe space. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, No, because I I literally just got my my psilocybin mushrooms. And my plan is to start microdosing. I took my first dose on Monday of 0.1 grams. I have a little coffee grinder that I took two mushrooms and put in there, Mm -hmm. ground them up. I should have only done one. I have a shitload. Like, it's really not that much, but not much goes into a milligram. Measured it out on my little jeweler scale, Mm -hmm. put it into a capsule and... No, um, and this is, and this is why uh, I especially wanted my friend Remy to be on here because he's been microdosing for a long time. I would love to have picked his brain. And so one thing that he does is he makes tea and then he uh, puts in, he puts in a little bit, grinds it up and puts in a little and filters it that way yeah i've heard of uh, i've read about that i heard about uh lemon teching what's up where you um take your dose ground up or however you want to do it uh ground up put it in a in a teacup or whatever mm-hmm. um and then squeeze lemon juice on it like a lemon's worth of juice okay and mix it up let it sit there and the beauty of it is the lemon juice the acid in the lemon juice it converts the psilocybin to psilocybin, which is the direct enzyme that blasts your serotonin receptors. Yep. Mm-hmm. So your body, if you just ate the mushrooms, and I guess you do it with tea. I don't know if the tea is acidic. It depends. Sometimes he drinks green tea. Yeah. Um, or it just kind of cooks it up 
a little. Yeah. So it's easier for your body to di- to digest. Because I've read, I haven't experienced this before. I haven't taken a significant dose either. I've only taken that 1.1 gram. You do get nausea from it. Yes. Eating, eating mushroom, eating the psilocybin yes. on its own. Yes. So um, I suppose by heating the mushroom up or getting it. I have a great uh, psilocybin story. Uh, let's hear it. From the old neighborhood, as I call it. Uh, so where we where we grew up in East Bridgewater, there are pockets in the town. I think like any like any town, there's pockets where rich people live. There's <clears> pockets <throat> where middle class Americans live. There's pockets where lower middle class live, and then there's places like the pond. <laughs> and then there's places like the pond, which just exist out of time in reality. So we were at a party once, and somebody had brought shrimp capsules. So they had brought capsules that contained ground up yeah. psilocybin. And there was this one person. They're not from East Bridgewater. They're from locally. I will spare them the embarrassment of this, of saying their name. So it didn't. So if you take a capsule, it doesn't matter if it's shrooms. Just think of anything. Think of Advil. Think of acetaminophen, Tylenol. Right. It's going to take like, what, 40 minutes for you to feel the effects? Yeah. So a shroom capsule is going to operate relatively similar to that. Right. So this uh, young man got very disappointed with the fact he didn't get an instant. So he thought he just wasted his money. So he decided to drink a bottle of vodka. Oh, boy. Yeah. Not just a, a Rubinoff. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he That's is... That's in a plastic bottle. Yeah. When you get a vodka in a plastic bottle, you're, there's nothing's good going to come no. out of that. You know? It's like... I always thought about this with Poland Spring vodka. Like, because I'm like, when I think Poland Springs, I think water. I right. Don't I, don't I don't think vodka. I've ever had Poland Springs vodka. So by this point, now, naturally, he's really hammered. <laughs> naturally. And then the shroom capsule hits. We were, out, we were out at a woods party, so there's fire going on, all this. He is... He cannot speak. He can make noises. <laughs> he is dead weight. We're trying to get him to... Somebody had a shed that we... It, they had uh, really made this shed like awesome. Like it had electricity. They put okay. couches in there. So we want to get him there right. to just sleep it off. He's covered in his own piss and vomit. And I'm talk- when I'm talking vomit, I mean, it is. I look back at it and I go, how did I put my hands on this person? Right. So a good friend of our, a good friend of mine, uh, someone you know too, Jeremy Katie. Oh boy. Yeah. So no, no. He, when he had a wagon, he backed his wagon up to the edge of the I forest. I remember Jimmy Katie having a wagon. Yeah. So he backed it up to the edge of the forest and we were going to put him in the back of that to drive him because we can't carry him. And so a couple other people, because we're all fucked up on different things. So finally, somebody I'm with, uh, who unfortunately has passed away uh, because of drugs, because they went down the other road right. of drugs. So they got frustrated and they were just like, they said his name and they were like, what the fuck? At this point, he's laying face up on his back. Okay. And, th- and this person, this person fucking stomped him on his chest. This, I, I, I was, I was uh, in shock of how hard he stomped him on his chest because he oh. was just so frustrated with him. Oh, wow. And he let out a whimper. And I'm like, that's the first kind of that's the first noticeable thing. noise of a human being that he's made in the last hour. Uh, so we, long story short, we get him to the shed. This party goes on till like six in the morning and he, he emerges from nowhere and he's fairly normal now. Yeah. And, but I mean, he's just like, the, you could see the vomit caked on him. Oh boy. And we're, so we're just joking with him and we're like, yeah, you went in a bad place. And he told us that we all look, he, the reason he was. He wasn't really answering us is because we all look like monsters to him. Oh, boy. Yeah. But after that, uh, this ties into the story. When you asked me, um, you asked me a couple weeks ago if I'd ever done mushrooms. Right. Now, mo- most people, if someone asked them, would say that's a yes or no question. And they would say a yes or no response. Right. Well, no, you're Bob. Yeah, I'm you're, Bob. So I, so I got to tell a story. And my story was, <clears throat> uh, was the winter of 2003 in the South Shore of Massachusetts. <laughs> 
And somebody thought it was a great idea, and it really was pretty genius, to make these uh, like the chocolates, like Christmas chocolates. Right. Like the the Santa or the snowman, they're wrapped in the tinfoil. Right, right. And they would put two and a half grams. Two and a half in each? Yeah. So somebody got me uh, one of those. I went to a party. I was around people I didn't really know. And I really didn't, I, I got vertigo. I noticed that. That's the one thing I do remember. Like everything kind of, it, it was almost like someone pulled the curtain back on my eyes. Really? So my peripheral vision got like extended. Wow. But it was kind of freaking me out. Right. But that was really it. I didn't see anything. I was just, you know, I was on a couple drugs at the time too. So. Right. Hard to get um, a baseline when you've got other things going on. Yeah. But yeah, my go-to, my go-to was, was marijuana, anything cannabis related. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got away from that for a while. I also, because we, we have d- discussed this as well, I also have my own mental health concerns and I do take medication for it. I appreciate the medication because I don't get the, the dips. Right. You know, because, Keeps you consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've talked about it. I've talked about it to you. I've talked about it. I haven't right out said what I have. I have, uh, it's called persistent depressive disorder. Uh, some people call it depression light. If you actually have ever experienced that, you would say that's not really a fair way to characterize it. Yeah. The way I can describe it is, especially for us in the Northeast, like wintertime. Yeah, seasonal when the, depression disorder. Yeah, when the, well. when the sun sets at like four in the afternoon. It sucks. And Yeah, and it sucks. So just picture being like that every day of the year. That sucks too. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't have those dips like where I never had... To, I did have occasions where it was tough to get out of bed some well, mornings. Well, yeah, when you're that low, it's easy to dip lower. But my normal was just existing in a state that was like that. So when I was heavily was doing this, cannabis... Was this was this in high school? Yes. It was? It um it started when uh we were in junior high. That's when I first really started to notice it. Really? Yeah. And it would... It wasn't, it wasn't because as extreme. I didn't, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, well, I was a fucking kid too. So what the fuck did I know? But I didn't. Are you talking about I when I would no have idea. my disappearing ex? Well, no, just <laughs> you, no, you in general. I didn't have that perception of you. Well, because I, I put had, on, I put on the face. The perception of you I had was a little bit of crazy. He has his shit together. <laughs> reserved. Methodical. I'm de- yeah. I mean, I'm all those things. It's just <clears throat> when I say put on the face, when people have like, yeah. depre- especially depression, when you have depression, you quote unquote, you put on the face. Right. And that face is that nothing's wrong. Nothing's fine. And that got me into trouble when I worked doing trauma informed care with PTSD individuals because people just were like, oh yeah, you're, you know, my nickname was Bobby Rocks. So it's a nickname that's carried with me off and on. But yeah, that was like a caricature. And people were just like, oh yeah, we could throw more at you because you're fine. And like, no. Yeah. I'm no. actually not. At- yeah. By the, by the end of that, by the end of that job uh, was when I got on medication okay. uh, because I actually had not just having thoughts of, uh, of ending my life. I actually started to form a plan. And that's yeah. when, that's when I got freaked out. And I went to my doctor and I know this cause I work in, in healthcare. So I knew that it would do me no justice if I wasn't completely raw to my doctor. Right. But I also knew that there was a chance that he would have me sent away for a 72 hour evaluation. Right. From what I said. And my doctor listened to me. He told me I was brave. He told me, I genuinely said, I think you're brave for having, you're, I think you have courage, you're having the courage to come and talk about those things that people don't like to talk about. Right. And he goes, we got a lot of options I want to go over with you. But before we do that, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. He says, I would like to let you leave here today. Can I trust you that you will not hurt yourself? And I said, yeah, because I didn't. Like the way I can describe it to you, this is my experience with having thoughts. So for me, it started with a, like a, 
casual, like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I wasn't here anymore. That's how that's how a lot of suicidal stuff starts. Uh, yeah. Then it went to the first time I actually thought about a plan. I actually had a whole body reaction of the yeah. opposite, like fight or flight kicked in. And my, it was like, what are you doing? Yeah. But the more that I would start to have those thoughts, the less of a reaction I would have. And that terrified me. Yeah. That terrified me. You, you were, yeah. you were rationalizing with your own brain. Yep. Right. And I said, yeah, yeah, that was right there. Um, now granted, I still, I still dabble in cannabis. I don't dabble as much as I did in my teen years, but this was before I knew kind of like what was going on with my body. Uh, so I was just recreationally using drugs and Hey, look at that. Hear that Friday afternoon specials. You were wrong. Saved, yep. saved my life. Yeah, it, um, same. Yep. I know. I don't know about just So you've talked about PTSD because I have PTSD. I do have residual PTSD from my job. So like if I hear a loud noise, that's for me, it's loud noises. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you had to. If I heard a loud noise at my job. If you it, heard a loud noise at your job, meant, you would have had to react to yep, it. Yep. It meant shit was going down. So even at my current job, which is it was nothing like that. I could literally hear a loud noise and it, I just get triggered. I can feel. You just, you, know, you just get that little like, <clears throat> you get that little, yep. that flash of heat that goes through your body. Yep. And then, and then I can actually feel, feel my heart. Yeah. Starting yep. to pump, pump at a rate where it's like getting me ready to react. One thing I, I learned through my training is I learned how to control that. Uh, but the problem is, is just because you can control it doesn't mean that physiological aspects of your body aren't changing. Too. Right. Right. So it takes me a long time to come down physiologically from that yeah yeah uh i've gotten i've gotten a lot better do you um but this, i that's I, kind of a tough one I, uh, I smoke i smoke every every day before i go to bed yeah that's fine i've yeah. i've learned um mindfulness that's the only way i can put it what i mean by that is i've learned other things because i think it's good to have like a toolbox i call it like a tool chest right of things so like one thing working on the podcast i find that relaxing like on my laptop See, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit off. I'm getting a little bit of uh, anxiety from it. Really? Yeah. Why so? I don't what, know. Why do you think it is? I don't know. Interesting. It's not something I do every day. Like I can, I don't have the, I don't have the longevity to talk. Oh, okay. I got you. So you, so like at some point you're kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like I, 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 I thought a couple times, like, I wonder what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to look at my watch and be like, but I'm just going to. <laughs> no, you looked at your watch. Just so you know, I typically keep episodes around 40, 45 minutes. So we're right in that window. Okay. So All right, good, good. So for example... I didn't, I didn't, know, could, I didn't know the expectation No, either. no, 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 no. So I really... Since you are the guest, to me, you're the one who drives the episode. Okay. I'm really here just to facilitate. Yeah. Every now and then I'll have these sidebar things where I can yeah, kind I of wanna, contribute. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, but, I, but I'm the same way when, when, you're, <laughs> when you or anyone is talking. I don't yeah. want to interrupt you either. Um, but I will ask you this, would you, would you like to do this again? Um, I would now that I have the expectation yeah. of 45, I forgot the 45 minutes. I was like, and then my anxiety started going. It's like, fuck. And I think it's, fuck, we're going to talk for like three hours. This is no, like no, a, no, 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 no. This no, is going to no, be a no, Joe no. Rogan experience. No, 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 <laughs> no. I keep it. So when I first started like season one, the earlier episodes are around yeah. 35 minutes. Yeah. But I found that well, 45 minutes is a well, good, it's fine. 45 is a sweet spot. Yeah. That's a good spot. Yeah. And honestly, this time's where I record for an hour and I cut out like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Because it's just it ums and all that stuff. I cut that stuff out. But other than that, like there's sometimes where it goes like nonsensical and it's like, all right, well, we don't fucking need that thing on here. Yeah. Um, but next time, absolutely, definitely I can have Remy on here. Yeah. 
and you guys can just have a field day about that'd be fun because I'm I have been doing a psilocybin. lot I have been doing a lot of research on psilocybin and it all started with that documentary on Netflix that Caitlin Caitlin told me about she started watching um, How to Change Your Mind yep it's a four part documentary on on psychedelics I don't mean to cut you off but literally because research is showing us that when done in reasonable amounts uh, psychedelics can actually repair the brain. Yeah, it's yep. fucking amazing. Yep. Like, are you serious? Yep. I had no idea. And I don't think I don't. I don't think I'm an ignorant person. I feel like I know most common sense things. Is that like something that is I put is it a into known? I put it into this category. Or do people we, need to we hear live about this? We stuff? live in a country. We live in a country that refused to do research on marijuana. For decades. Right. And psilocybin, mushroom, psychedelic, it's the same thing. So we live in a country because of the taboos that were put in place on these drugs. Racially driven taboos. Yeah, that too. That too. Oh, Remy and I have gone on, we had, we haven't done an episode on it, but we have, we do touch upon the war on drugs. It's, which was, yeah, it's a terrible thing. It is absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. So I watched the miniseries on LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, and then peyote. Watching the MDMA episode was really alarming to me because it hit home because the majority of treatment is for people with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so. Is makes is sense. this this realm that I've I've jumped full force into after learning about like a week ago? Is this like common knowledge amongst people, or is it not? It it it, it is for the people who recreationally in, partake in it, but like the con the common. Non pot smoking no, person. No. Do they know about no, this? No. Holy shit. So people they still buy know into about they still buy into the propaganda that you will get pregnant or end up in jail for the rest of your life. I you'll thought be a murderous person who kills people. I heard about ecstasy years ago and you know, it, it was never it never entered my realm of friends that I know of. Oh, I've been around people on ecstasy. I hate I, it. I hate I, it. As someone who never did it, I hated it. I haven't had it. You know why? Here's a here's a good example. Here's a good example. Let's say I'm standing next to you and I just, Jason, I just, I just need you to hold my hand. Why? Because it just feels like the right thing to do right now. Yeah. The cuddle yeah, puddle. Yeah. But it's not even that. It's like a sensory thing. Like literally the sensation of holding a hand or your clothing. Yeah. Like, do you know, have you, have you ever seen the movie, Get Him to the Greek? I don't think so. Like uh, Russell Brand. Uh, no. He's a no, musician. No, no, so there's no, a no. scene where they're on some kind of drug and there's a furry wall and they just, they just say like, say, oh, just stroke the furry wall. It'll make everything better. It's like, it's like that. <laughs> Right. It's like that. But seeing it work in a clinical setting, holy shit. Like we're like we're at the I think we're at a pinnacle of like mental health crisis in this country. Oh, we've been there. We've been there. Yeah. The shit that they're pushing out isn't working anymore. Mm-mm. Our bodies are accustomed to it and it's it's and it's blocking the fun shit. Yeah, SSRI. There's no, there's no balance. You're right. It's blocking the serotonin that I need to be happy. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But it's also blocking the serotonin that will throw me to a hundred. It's the same enzyme. Yeah. It's the same hormone. So it takes it takes me from not going to a hundred, but it also takes me from not like I would say if I'm gonna jump back into cannabis from a medicinal standpoint, I would probably do it. I'd probably be doing it in a form where I don't feel the high. I just get the the benefits. Yeah. That's why I don't do it during yeah. the day. I don't like doing it during the day. But it, by doing it at night, you know, it's it's gatewayed me into other perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's the so people that call cannabis a gateway drug, 
I absolutely believe it's a gateway drug. It just gateways, not in the way that they mean But it. not into heroin, cocaine, no. not into like, not into these medicine, these fucking medicines that the medical community put down on the street mm-hmm. and created addicts. Yep. Not, cannabis doesn't take you there. I'm sure there's a percentage that do, but I don't, the, fa- the vast majority by smoking pot isn't going to make you go do heroin. No. You're already you were already gonna do heroin before you smoked pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big believer in um I'm a big believer in our brains are wired a certain way, and some people's brains are wired to just want to be a drug addict. Yeah. That doesn't but, mean that you will become a drug addict. But, it just means if you go down that road. But holy shit, fuck. Ho- hopefully give that person psilocybin in a clinical setting, we can break that. I tell people all the time, Colorado leads the way. Absolutely. Because they've legalized... Uh, they legalize psilocybin. Yep. They sell mm-hmm. it in the dispensaries, right? Yep. They really do... Lead, it was one of the most... Well, yeah. It was the first It was the first state to legalize marijuana. Did you ever not? see the 60 Minutes that they no, did I don't, on... Uh, I don't think. It's fantastic. So they go into, go into a medicinal and the, it's professional. That was the first time I was like, wow, this is so professional. I, when they, I f- so everyone had I'm a... Sorry. They had a plant. It was a strain they wanted. It did have their name, but it had them as a as a patient, their patient ID number. Right. And then they went into the actual floor and they showed all the different ways you can ingest cannabis. And then they said, and this one we have here, it was an edible. And they said, this one, you get the benefits of THC and CBD and you don't get the high. Wow. And I was mind blown. And then the next clip, the the host of 60 Minutes is sitting with a representative of the FBI. And, and it's, but it's like, it's like, so in Colorado, they have recreationally legalized marijuana. Correct? Correct. But as far as the federal government goes, it's illegal, correct? Correct. So in the last five years since they legalized it, they have generated this much money, correct? Correct. But as far as the federal government goes, that money has been generated legally, correct? Correct. And of that money, they have paid this in taxes, correct? And it was just, it was, it was fantastic. Because basically, right. basically what the FBI agent was saying was, we're using it as a pilot. We're using it as a pilot study. See how it goes. If people in Colorado want to do that, do that's, actually, that's fine. Do you but actually believe the federal government is piloting this program? No, 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 no. I, th- I don't think that's what he, he... I think what he meant was, we're going to see how it goes in Colorado. But to, he to had like, to say it in that way to make it sound like they're running the fucking show. Of course he did. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, pi- but you know what? Yeah, we're piloting. Like, fuck yeah. you, you Do you know what? You. Because you know what my takeaway from that was? They're paying you. The Colorado is paying you taxes. Right. Money yeah. talks and money talks. Right. Like, do you want to, yeah. do you want this tax revenue coming yeah. in or do you not? Yeah. The only, there's only one state in, in our country that I feel has gone too far. Which one? Oregon. What are they doing in Oregon? <laughs> They've decriminalized everything. Everything? Yes. They've, like hard street drugs too. Well, I've heard that theory. I've heard people say that theory. Just decriminalize everything and it take the taboo away. Yeah. Actually, Remy, Remy is a uh, half Portuguese. He does have family that lives in Portugal, and he said that's what they did in Portugal a long time and it ago. Worked. And it worked. Yeah, yeah. He said it takes it takes away the taboo. It takes away the like a good way to describe it, especially in our country, is everywhere else in the world. You would be like, it's it's acceptable for like a thirteen year old to like drink at dinner. Well, alcohol is on a whole nother <laughs> it is. fucking level, it and is. it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, because we that's what we as a society have we have a society yeah. have allowed that yeah. to to say that alcohol is. Alcohol is the most destructive thing that we have we have created. We created alcohol. It yeah. d- doesn't occur naturally, does it? No. Um, yeah, maybe it, certain like uh, certain types can. Yeah, like fermenting. Right. Like things if, can ferment. Yeah. yeah, like an apple can ferment. Okay. Yeah, mead. yeah. meads. Right. Mead would have been. 
I don't know. I mean, it's maybe not even natural, but I mean, the, the yeah, an the apple, idea. An, an app, a piece of fruit can ferment. You eat it and get intoxicated. Yes. Like, oh shit! Yeah. What happened here? But um, yeah, it's what a destructive thing. You'll be happy to know I've gotten you up to fifty-three minutes, even though you yeah, said I know I start. Yeah. You, you got me engaged yeah. again. I know. All right. So I think it's a good, but it's yes. a good time to jump off because we can pick this up the next time you come. Right. Yeah. So Jay. Thank you very much Robert, for coming on. thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So uh, where is this broadcast? Is this broadcasted? Like, what? Okay, so I had to ask myself. Would you like to know what where the fuck this is, is a podcast? A podcast is a format of radio, essentially, where it's not, some are live. Most aren't. Most of the popular ones are pre-recorded, like this one is. And it is streamed on the internet. Okay, so where did it? Why is it called a podcast? Did it I have do. anything to do with an iPod, or is it just like a pod, like a small, like a self encapsulated thing? Um, episode cast. It's like a, it's something. It's oh, it's an it's a it's acronym. A, or yeah, hyper. It's a yeah, definitely so, a hyperbole. So specifically, if you're asking, this is available on Apple Podcasts. Okay, this is available on Spotify. This is available on iHeartRadio. This is available on YouTube. This is available on uh, through my Facebook page. And it's available through other things too, but I'm just not going to... It's available through probably 11 different... The internets. Yes, the You internets. can get it on the internet. You could also go to my podcast page and you can you're get like every single cross, you're every like, episode. Yep. You're, uh, is that called cross-posted? Yes. So... Nice. So we're, we're operating at a snail's pace now because like, whatever. If it grows at its own yeah, pace, that's fine. Eventually, we will start to promote it a lot larger, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Awesome. Yeah, and now you're a part of that. And now I'm a part of it. All right. So, Jason, as always, pleasure was all mine. Thank you again. thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll try to get Remy to stop working so that he can partake in these conversations again. And uh, until the next time, talk to you later. Take care. Peace. A lot of people miss this aspect. So there was a Woodstock 94 that went amazing because it wasn't monetized necessarily. Yep. They did a great job of giving that backstory to Woodstock 99. Implying that the girls who had their clothes off, like... Oh yeah, victim shaming. Wanted to get yeah. fondled. In the documentary, there were people talking about how they were going to the show. And upon getting in, they took all your food and all your water. But that was okay. where once the sexualization yeah. of women had set in without their consent, mm -hmm. it took over. And then on the morning of day two, we're not even halfway through this festival, the bathroom's fucked up. The only way I can describe what's what's about to happen is it's a perfect storm. I was about to say, what is more boomer than projecting every fucking thing you did wrong onto younger people? I believe if they announced one right now that was like the lineup of the century, I, I think people just decide kind of, I worry that they don't learn. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube.